Welcome back to The Cusp with Mikey still on his honeymoon. We are lucky enough to be joined again by the one and only Jake the Snake Patterson. We're going to go through the forecast for the event, the three different sites that uh, this event can be run at. We're going to get a look at Snake's underdog picks, his favourites, and uh, what it'll take to be champion over there in Portugal. We're also going to get a bit more of an insight about Zeke Lau from Snake. Snake spent a lot of time with Zeke. There's a big piece up on the side at the moment, and uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about Zeke and uh, what makes him tick. In the episode, you'll hear us talking about Zeke. He's uh, recently just had a baby, so congratulations, Zeke. And we weren't too sure whether or not he's going to make the call or not to compete, but uh, judging by the look of his Instagram, He's not dragging around a pram. He's dragging around two board bags. So I'd expect to see him in round one over there in Paniche. Let's get into it. Back by popular demand. <laughs> Who would have thought? Jake the Snake Patterson. Welcome back for round two, brother. Wow. Back by popular demand. I don't know. All the haters have turned a corner, do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there ever was much hate for the, for the Snake, man. I think people... It was more the company's hate or the, or the ASP back in the day haters. <laughs> you did have your fingers in a few pies. I will, I will say that. But I think that, you know... In the modern era, Snake, it is it is very refreshing to um, have a chat with you and, and get your very frank opinion on all things surfing. You come from a place of extreme authority, and we, we love it here on the on the drop. Oh well, I just try and tell it how it is. I mean, some people, you know, if you don't, if someone gets angry about something, that's normally they don't like the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yep, definitely. Particularly in in our world of surfing and, and dealing with athletes too, I feel like you know you've coached a lot of the best, and one of the things that. Um, you know, they all do, regardless of their front in the media. They, they're they always looking for feedback, and that's what makes them so good. Yeah, I'm not a patter on the back for when you've done a shit job, if you get what I mean. So if you've done a shit job, you don't you don't get a pat on the back from me. It's like, uh, you know, that was really bad. So you got to tell it how it is. Otherwise, how do you get better? Totally. And talk to us about when something goes to plan. What do you look for when something goes to plan? I think a lot of people think winning an event is going to plan. That's not often the case. Um, what's your take on, on a job well done? Oh, it, it's heat by heat. It's like, you know, the good old scenario of, you know, you can't win the event from in one, round one, but you can make the game plan of, of surviving through all the rounds to get to the final or whatever, you know. If you make it to the final, that's that's kind of like the, the the pinnacle of it all. And whether you win or lose, it's like that's where you that's where you're aiming to get to to the final. So you kind of throw whatever you can at the final, and if you win or lose, you, at least you had the crack at at the title because there's only one winner a week, as we know. So um, yeah, the it's so intense in the C, the CT. Every heat is like a contest win these days. You know, those man-on-man heats can make or break your career kind of thing. So, you know, with the cut after Margaret River, it's so every heat at the start of the year is so crucial. So uh, you'll, you'll see guys open up a little bit more after the cut, I think, because, they, you know, they're on tour for another year and um, it's a bit easier kind of like to, to, to take a chance in a heat kind of thing. But... Right now, everyone's like, not everyone, obviously, but there's a whole bunch of guys that like can't afford any mistakes. Yeah, totally. It's not cliche to hear when a surfer comes in, I feel like I just won the event when they're saying that after a single heat win. It's the truth. Like So much goes into these single heats. Um, but I don't think we will see the same party in Lemoore after the cut as we did in G-Land, Snake Man. I, I agree. There's kind of a weird, like, there's a few young people, like, way up there that missed the cut last year. Look at the, the girls' side, at least, anyway, like Molly and, um, uh, you know, um, 
Betty Lou, you know, all missed the cut last year and they're way up in the ratings already. So, um, and Katie Simmons, for instance, like, you know, new, all this fresh blood is going to be uh, stirring the pot for sure on the girls' side. Yeah, totally. Speaking of stirring the pot, this forecast is stirring the pot. It has been absolutely firing. Like, maybe the best I can recall Super Tubes. Have you seen these Instagram clips getting around? Yeah, well, that's how I judge it too. I mean, geez, I saw Conor O'Leary get a crazy big right. Um, Maxime Houston-O get a couple of sick ones. Um, uh, Attilo getting a crazy long left and, and big. It was, like, solid, huh? So, um yeah, that's unfortunate because you know what will happen. <laughs> the week before the window is always a bad, uh, a, a bad thing to happen when it pumps. Like, yeah. look at G-Land last year. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, that was pretty heartbreaking. And uh, it it's, it's, could be a similar situation here. You know, it has been firing there the last couple of days. They even had a specialty event down at Carcavelos. Um, you know, the other beachy there closer to town. And, um, yeah, firing big pits. Like, it's... So good to see when it's on, but obviously when it's not, it can be pretty painful. What we're looking at is heap of swell. There's plenty of energy, but the forecast going into the event, like day one and day two, uh, winds from the south, which is not ideal. Uh, You're really looking for north wind there. But I have had good word that there are two really quality backup spots around the other side. But uh, give us the lay of the land, Snake, man. Well, you know, talk to us about Peniche in depth. Uh, Peniche is pretty gnarly. It's, a, it's on a peninsula, so you, you've got two sides of it. So the winds are crucial for, for Super Tubos because obviously it's a, it's a big barrel and that's the main site. And as you said, you need north winds. Any, anything from the north is kind of like offshore at that, at that wave, but, you know, anything from the south. And you get all the swells from the south, so... Um, yeah, it's a tricky one, but as you said, there's a, a quality backup wave, and even um, the corner of Super Tubos off the of the off the the wedge off the wall. I had insight from Tommy yesterday saying that they they might run a couple of rounds there because it'll be big and onshore and really fun, like full high quality, punchy, um, you know, big turns and airs and stuff. So that Tommy even reckons there might be a, a little window. And then I heard from Alan. Um, from France, he said Friday, Saturday looks pretty good. So the winds might be changing around a little bit on those. Or even light south stays could be okay, you know. A light little south blowing into the rights and then going with the lefts is is doable if it's light, but not, you know, onshore big barrels is horrible. Horrible and, like, scary. Where do you rate Super Tubos from, say, a South Stradbroke to Pipeline in, in its heaviness? Oh, uh, it... it it, you can knock it out. <laughs> it's, so, it's like Porto Escondido pretty much. It's like, you know, it breaks right on the shoreline, like only a little bit out on shallow sand and really shifty. But if you try and get out someplace, you can just get pounded and break your board real easy. So um, as, you, as you saw everyone else's Instagrams as well, traveling with two huge big board bags because, you know, you, you, and the guy that's going to win is the guy that's going to adapt the best because it's one of those places that you need to ride two-foot waves onshore little runners doing airs to like eight, ten-foot barrels um, and fitness and and you've got to have your like your little uh, wave god with you on side because it's so shifty. You've got to like feel the energy of what's going on and, and be at that right place at the right time. So I, I don't believe in luck, Stace, but this is the event you need a little... Uh, a little something on your side for sure. Yeah, you've definitely got to be alert to it for sure. I remember one of the most toughest things I've ever seen was Julian Wilson 
paddle straight out from the contest site when it was every bit of eight feet and you can kind of run up towards the wedge like you said there's the wave up in the corner up there and it sort of halves in size every hundred meters you go up and a lot of crew were just jumping in not getting their hair wet and drifting into the lineup and i remember watching julian just run down the stairs and just go straight out the guards and i just thought wow that was such a strong position to be in like i don't care how heavy it is i don't care how belted i'm going to get preheat i'm just going to go get stuck right in and i think that's the attitude you got to have out there yeah I've, geez if i was coaching him i wouldn't have said that <laughs> by the time you get the start of your heat you're, you're done you know what I mean? and you're going to cut your cop floggings out there so it's you know it, you've got to save as much energy as you can but I mean, I can't wait to watch. It's going to be exciting. Talk to us about the accommodations over there because it's, like you said, it's a peninsula, but that back beach of, of Paniche, um, you know, excuse the pronunciation here, Balial, it fires, it pumps. Yeah, so that's when the swell drops on, on Super Turbos. Super Turbos can be two foot and uh, that back beach can be six to eight foot like heaving and, and offshore because of the winds. So um, that's, where, that's where most of the surfers stay on the golf courses, the unbelievable golf courses out the back there. Um, and accommodations is fairly cheap this time of year, you know. It's not holiday season or anything. So, um, yeah, rent a big house on the golf course and surf pumping beaches and play unbelievable golf courses. I, I can't believe I'm not there. <laughs> I reckon it's uh, yeah, definitely a favourite. But we're more used to going there back when, you know, the QEs and that would run at Irisira into the CT later, a few months later. That was much more that Hossegor autumn time and you'd sort of bounce in between France and Portugal. They're there at a much different time now. Like, they're straight into four threes. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be cold for sure. Um, I think uh, Rio Wada's Instagram he's been posting is just like, <laughs> I think he's not, he's not liking it at all. It's like three degrees, four degrees, he's getting up for a surf. Um, that's definitely no barley for him. So um, it's chilly. Yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, like you said, the forecast looks good swell-wise. Can handle a bit of onshore. And luckily enough, it does go light and variable with the wind as it moves uh, through, you know, through the waiting period. I kind of threw you under the bus last time we caught up. Uh, tried to get you to pick some winners, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got a good look at this thing. And we've seen a few Instagram warm-up clips. Uh, who you been liking as an underdog on the uh, on the women's side? Jeez, uh, the women's side, you know, it really depends on when they surf or where they surf. But you'd have to like a Tyler Wright or someone that's got the big powerful moves and can go left and right-hand barrels. That's the trick for the, for the women's side, I think. But uh, I, I had a good look at the list the other day for the men's. I reckon a Yago Dora could be a little underdog for, for what I think. I think the, the Brazilians adapt really, really well to all conditions. And he's got an incredible air game, forehand, backhand, and can, he's a really good barrel rider as well. So he's, um, I've already picked those, those, other, <laughs> those other last podcasts guesses but um no we could scratch that you had you had katie and steph in the final where you mentioned (laughs) steph might think about retiring i think you copped a little bit of heat for that so if you want to clear anything up the floor's yours (laughs) no yeah that was that was just a a tongue-in-cheek steph's never going to retire no why would you when you can kind of cruise into fifth and then take home the title each year go steph i love it definitely and then uh yeah i'm with you like you got need to have it all. I think for me, Liam O'Brien as an underdog for the men is 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 someone for me who I think is going to be really really uh, you know handy out there. No matter where they surf to, whether they run a, a round up at the wedge, a heat around the back beach, and then come and finish back over at Super Tubes or whatever they're going to do. Um, Liam at home here, obviously we've got South Strad- Stradbroke Island up at the northern end of the Gold Coast. 
a lot of us just chase that wave when the wind goes west. Liam goes up there every single day. He, he it doesn't matter whatever it's looking like. He'll he'll surf it six foot and onshore, six foot and pumping. And I think that's the kind of attitude that it'll. That'll do really well for him here at this event. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you, mate. I don't reckon he's got a hope, but um, that's just he does. His air game's not good enough. You get what I mean? Because every heat of the of Super Tubos, it can be barreling off its head, but. And it could be close out, close out, close out, and you still have to adapt to like throw a punt on a close out. So I don't know if his air game's good enough, but so so where doesn't he make it to? Where's our where's our under over line? Oh, it'll be quarters. I don't think he'll make it past quarters. Once you get to the quarters, it's like you're matching up against the quarters is a huge result. Yeah, but we're talking about winning, aren't we? Yeah, you're right. We're, you're you're right. talking we about talking in about the quarters. Winning. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride my horse home here. All right, I can't wait to see. We'll be texting each other for sure through the event. Hundred <laughs> percent. I love it. No, for sure. You're right. It will need to be, you know, I can recall like Freestone coming up against Italo a few years ago and Jack went out of body and Italo went out of body as well. And that's just the way it goes. Like you you do have to be on another planet over there. And um, yeah, there's only one way to find out. So he's going to have to step up at some point. Uh, What about your favorites? Favorite for the women? I, I picked Tyler for my underdog, but I reckon she's probably my favorite in a matter of fact. And then, um, I reckon maybe a Betty Lou for the underdog, come to think of it. Like, she's kind of got that stance that's hard to knock her off and you kind of need that stance to, you know, get a little barrel and then do a crazy floater, close-out turn and, and hold on. So I reckon she should be my underdog. Yeah, I agree. You've got to be really strong on your equipment over there. Is There's, like, all these different little, like, undercurrents and rips and you can be on a clean wave that can turn foamy or you can be on a foamy wave that gets clean and you need to be able to, you know you know, manage your speed and, and, and the you know rawness of the ocean over there for sure. So I think on that side of things, an underdog for me be uh, Breezer Hennessy on the uh, women's side. And then I think favourite for me, I really like the Tyler pick. Um, look, Steph's backhand has got a, a lot to uh, be desired, but I think front side, she's, she's really obviously best in the world, best ever. So I think if she can find a couple of right tubes uh, and, and a couple of big closeout turns like that one at Karamis a few years ago, uh, I reckon she'll be uh, you know good for a win as well. What about over to the men's Lipton? You had Griffin beating Kanoa last <laughs> week or two weeks ago when we caught up. I love that box-to-box drama, but uh, I'm going to give you a clean slate here. You can, you can go again. Who, who you got looking good at this event for the men's oh. as a favourite? Okay, um, for a favourite... I'm going to have to go Gabby, and then the underdog, I'm going to go um, Yago. As I said earlier, I think, uh, you know, Gabby is super strong, makes makes stuff happen real easy, and he hasn't had a, a big win for a long time, so I think he's hungry. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to pick a similar sentiment there as far as, like, ability but haven't had that big breakthrough moment in a while and I'm going to go with Italo um, I think that big tube he got the other day was kind of a big statement you know that was that's the best clip I've seen come through the size of the wave and the way he, the way he read it and just yeah I, I think that he's obviously he's got all the skills much like we mentioned earlier you've got to be one of those competitors that can can do it all and um, you know he uh, He's definitely got it in the bag. He's went back to back there 2018, 2019. And I think he's he, he's really due. Like if he wants to keep in contact with that top five and be like a title threat, I don't think he's hit his straps the last couple of years. And I think this is this will be the event where he turns it around. Mm, big call. See how we go. Love a big call. Love a big call. While we're on the topic of going back to back, I think that's something that Philippe has done really well. 
uh, in the last couple of years coming into being a world champion. Like he was so renowned for like winning an event and then getting 33rd in the next comp. And I guess of late, he's been very, very consistent. Uh, and obviously the, his results have shown that. Someone who I think still learning, that's probably Griffin. How do you see him backing up his sunset performance into Panish coming in as a defending champ? Yeah, I, I guess the forecast isn't into his favor, if you get what I mean. So a big, big onshore um, or big barrels probably isn't his forte, but he just makes stuff happen no matter what. Like he, if it's big and onshore, he'll do the biggest day you've ever seen and go for for twenty point rides <laughs> out of a total of ten. So he he's he if you beat him, he's like you've done something amazing. So he's always really hard to beat no matter where you're surfing against him. I mean, look at the work he does at Chopu these days. He's he's put work into improving in those conditions. So. He's um he's it's like Kanoa kind of thing. He's really worked hard at big barrels and you know, Kanoa's made final pipe and done really well at chokes before when everyone thought he was a small wave surfer. So Philippe's done the same thing. Like everyone put him into the small wave thing, but he's worked really, really hard at at uh at his big wave and, and barrel riding. So, you know, he's a he's a threat no matter when or where these days. Talk to us about Kanoa. Um I don't know if it's common knowledge or not, but like he owns real estate in Portugal. He spends a lot of time there. He, he claims that as his second home. Uh, you know, that plays massively into his comfortability at this venue. Yeah, he, he's going to be like, uh, yeah, didn't mention him in, uh, in the underdogs or the favorites or anything, but he'd have to be up there because, as you said, the comfortability, like he lives just, he has a house in, in thing. And then throwing another one out there is Leo, a tube pig through and through. And, uh, and he's got property down in Portugal as well. And, you know, loves a big onshore closeout turn as well. So he he's uh, I'll throw him in the underdogs as well. Yeah, for sure. They they're both very handy. Obviously, Leo spending a lot of time um, up at the Gravier and in Hossegore, and uh, you know, no stranger to a big, filthy onshore beach bake barrel. I went to do a bit of digging around for some uh, from hype coming to this ep snake, and I, I knew this at the time, but your snake tails episodes were very QS based. Um, what was the reasoning behind that? Uh, because the CT is kind of like you don't get the real emotions like the QS, if you know what I mean. Like the, the CTs are just, it's just too hard almost. They go for, for um, two weeks kind of thing and, and to try and get the, the ins and outs of, of what I do for snake tails. The snake tails, the QS, it's in one week. It's Everything happens in one week, whether the, the free surfing, you know, free surf. Uh, film every free surf and then the, the contest is bang, it's around and heats after heat after heat and the raw emotions is what I wanted to try and get across to in Snake Tales. But um, yeah, the CTs, I, I just felt like it'd be pretty boring, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We, it's, a, it's, it's sort of hard to, I don't know, it is a different, different dynamic for sure too when you're kind of working with a smaller team that has almost a, you know, a bigger like it's a bit more life and death on the CT. It's life and death on the QS, but yeah, there's definitely a lot more eyeballs and pressure. And I feel like in one instance too, there's probably enough cameras in their faces on the CT. Their profile's being built through their heat wins, whereas the QS, an event could run and no one would even know about it. But if they watch Snake Tales, they're going to find out about it. Yeah, they find out the highs and the lows of it all kind of thing. And that's that's exactly what you mean. Like the whole world sees the, the CTs and they already know who Griffin and Kanoa and everyone is. Um and they kind of like their profile's already big, but like you know the Ramsey Booker and before you know the Olympics, no one really knew who he was. Maybe through Snake Tales and how funny the guy is and what a legend. Like he's a, I, I hope I had a little hand on getting him out to the real world of of what a 
cool guy he is. So, um, you know, with Mark Lacamau and like, you know, everyone that, you know, was in the snake tails things kind of got a little a gist of these guys that, you know, their Instagrams don't really show that either, if you get what I mean. So, um, yeah. And, and it's like if something special happens on the QS and I capture it, kind of, it's not blown over Instagram instantly like the CT. Like if there's a 10-point ride happen or something, it's like bang, it, you, the whole world knows about it. It goes viral kind of thing in the surf world. But in the QS, if something happens, it's it's normally, um, yeah, it's hardly seen and that's why i'm picking your brain about it we've got the australian regional leg happening at the moment there's some fantastic heats going down some crazy like people winning contests on the sand dakota walters and joel vaughan went 18 points into 19 points into a semi-final the other day absolute air shootout and there needs to be more snake tails like <laughs> i'm just baffled that these groms aren't handicapping each other and just getting that because like we got to dig into the depths of the internet and pretty much watch the Marubra surf cam to like see yeah. like, what's going on. And I just think what you did there with those guys, you know, like a Michael Dunphy or a Leo in his early days, like and, and a Ramsey, and it's getting this character out of these guys that uh, you know Hiroto is another good one. Like you just wouldn't see it normally, and I think that's a big part of professional surfing these days. Obviously, it is. I mean, the WSL employed box to box to do their storytelling for them, and there's just. Cameras are 300 bucks. Like, I don't know that, you know, how long, well, you'd sit up at night and edit away, right? Oh, yeah. It was a, it was a daily process because if I all try to do it, like uh, I had to edit the clips and it was a filing system. I was really good at filing, like, you know, the keeper clips and then things. So every day it was like a process. So at the end of the week, I kind of like throw all the funny clips together. I throw all the, the free surfs. You know, the hardest bit was picking a song because everything, <laughs> you know, the old, uh, you know, the 80s surf, Clip musics was was my favourite, but you know some of them had blocks on them. But um, yeah, you know I never know. I might bring it back next year. I, I don't know. We'll see how he goes. I I I miss it. Trust me. I uh, had a little cult following, and it was crazy going around to like little beaches in the middle of nowhere, and the, and little grunts running around. Are you shooting for snake tails? It was pretty sick. Like I was frothing. Yeah, it's sick. All the kids on the team here at Quicksilver, they all you know whether from New Zealand or WA or you know the areas that I look after, they all watch it. They all still go back and watch the old episode. So it's pre- it's pretty sick. And I think you were a part of that sort of changing of the guard there for that kind of. Uh, that era of kind of QS surfing. Another character that really came to life through the Snake Tales episodes was Zeke Lau. And I think of late, he's been, you know, public enemy number one, particularly across the stab comment section and the whole surf media world, basically. I, you know, I can see two sides of the story there for him. You've spent a lot of time with him. He he obviously really trusts you. You've spent um, you know some quality years with with Zeke. What can you tell us about Zeke that we don't know? His uh, bark is way worse than his bite. I guess he's a bit like Sunny. You get what I mean? Like he's he can, might come across as this aggressive Hawaiian guy, but like deep down he's just a big cuddly teddy bear kind of thing. He he's very genuine and and you know I, I guess he wears his heart on his sleeve. So what what he's feeling he 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 puts out there instead of like a lot of guys will, will hide what, you know, their raw emotion kind of thing. And, and, and he, he kind of, you know, doesn't have that kind of filter or just doesn't care. I don't know what it is, but um, you know, the, a lot goes into being a pro surfer and, and when things don't go your way, it, it kind of like can be the most frustrating thing in the world. And you can either let that out there, there and then, or you can hold it in and, and uh, take it out a different way. But 
you know, I guess that's what people are seeing is this raw emotion of Zeke coming out. And, you know, he had two tough heats in, in Hawaii where, you know, interferences uh, in both heats that he lost. Um, one was against someone else, but, you know, one was on him. But it's kind of weird that that, that he's getting a bad rap for it. It's it's professional competition, if you know what I mean. So what, what do people want to see? Everyone having a kiss before they go out and have a kiss when they come in. It's like, it's like, that's, it's professional sport. You, you know, you check your hand at the end of the day and, and it, it's, you know, it's sporting sport, but when you're competing, it, it's like what, you know, Gabby got a really bad rap when he came on tour because he goes, I'm not here to have a cup of tea with you guys. I'm here to, you know, have a bloodbath. I want to murder everyone, you know? So, uh, I don't know why he's getting such a bad rap. It's it's kind of weird to me because you know it's professional sport and he's out there doing his best and he's and he I I actually think he should be getting like praise because he's showing the raw emotions of people want to see you know all the the make and break stuff he he'd be like highlighting it all you know because that's the that's the stuff they want to get so um oh, I I don't know why he's getting a bad rap I think you know he's a great guy and. Um, maybe the pressure of he's just about to have his first kid is, is built up inside and, and wanting to get those results because he might he was going to have to miss maybe Portugal for the birth of his first child. So those events were huge for him. Obviously at home as well is is extra pressure, but I don't know. It's He's a good guy. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I definitely agree with you. You don't want... We we don't want to be any more vanilla like you see like you say sometimes the CTs are pretty straightforward and without characters like Zeke like Gabe, you know I don't know what we'd be watching so I I, I think it's cool too and and it, like you say Zeke's a guy that would shake the other bloke's hand after a heat and you know it's funny though he, he has attracted this I remember remember that day at Bell's where the horn went after his heat and they didn't score it like shit just seems to happen to him that is a little bit you know. I know we both don't really believe in luck, but that's he has had a couple of unlucky things, I'd say. Yeah, I, I guess he's always pushing. I mean, the way I coach is like one percenters, you know, you, you, we work on one percenters and he's always pushing the limit to everything. You know what I mean? He's pushing the envelope. There, you know, Gabe does the same thing, mind you, like the hassling battles and these, you know, all that kind of stuff, pushing the envelope. Remember, we got an interference micro at Snapper one year in the CT, like pushing the envelope always maybe a little bit too hard, but um, that's just the way they like to compete. It's live or die by the sword. It's like, you know, it's, it's the way they want to compete, and I love it personally. As you said, vanilla's like, you know, who cares? But we want to see the action. We want to see the raw emotions and the, and the, the gladiator battle that... that is is professional sport and and why should all these guys be lovey dovey and and really, I want to see you know fit, back in the day Andy you had a fight with half the guys on tour you know punch up <laughs> you know yeah. that's that's how much he wanted to win you know it's like that's raw emotion stuff it's you know it's bring back the biff Stace <laughs> <laughs> I love it on the sands at Peniche let's go no you're right it's uh yeah I think it, it makes for great entertainment um and just be careful when you actually get to Hawaii after fighting the <laughs> <Lions> or Zeke <laughs> Lau <laughs> it always works out if you know what I mean the emotions always build up but there's always a shake of the hand later on 100% like but you know the greatest rivalry of all time was Kelly and Andy right you know and and the I wanted to see them not never be friends I, I, you know, that boat trip they did, the fly in the champagne thing was horrible for me. I wanted them to be brutal, you know, Andy 
stated in, in movies, like I just want to grab his pretty picture and screw it up and throw it in his face, you know? That kind of stuff makes you want to watch the next time they serve against each other. Mm. Speaking of making you want to watch heats, there's, a, there's an interview of Gabriel that 100% will not be able to find. If I can, I'll chuck it in. But it's the posted interview he did with Pete Mel after that heat with Micro at Snapper, and it's phenomenal. Like, that's the kind of stuff you want to see. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, he just goes, no, they got yeah, it wrong. definitely. Another you know? thing I'd love to get your insight on is that Europe used to be part of, like, a three-event series. A lot of people, like even Mick and Adriano and these world title guys, they would go to Guincho of Portugal to do the QS. They'd go up to France to do the CT where they're trying to win a title. And then they'd come home and, uh, excuse me, come back to Portugal and and come into what's a big world title event in the previous calendar, you know, where coming into Hawaii. Uh, what's the difference going to an event just as a one-off as opposed to going away for like a six-week stint? Uh, it's it's equipment and a jet lag and being like like fresh because every time you rock up to somewhere with a brand new boards and brand new everything is it's pretty hard. You got know what I mean? You, you, you kind of got to... You rock up to like say Panish right now. These guys, if there was no waves for three or four days, they're traveling around looking for anything to surf, trying to get used to the new boards, whatever, whatever. If you're there for six weeks, you're ready to go no matter what. You know, you're, or you're used to all your equipment. You know the water temperature. You know everything. Um, you're, you're comfortable where you're staying. Um, you know, you've already got a car. You know everything. You're, you're like you're comfortable. Six weeks is a long time, by mind you, um, but. Yeah, th- those one-off events is pretty brutal. Like it's it's hard. You got to get there and you got to be ready to go. And you know the guys like Gabby and that can wax up a brand new board because they're all really similar and still perform at a very very high level. But not all guys can do that. So um, it's important, I think. Like back in those days, but I don't think they can do that. They don't have the luxury these days of doing that. Ah, huh? you can't just go rock up. I'm just going to do a prime event and you know surf some man on man heats, for instance. And then uh, rock up to a CT either. It's like they're all so spread out and all over the place. It's, it's you don't have a choice. You got to rock up and be ready to go. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think this event is the rawest environment that they probably roll up to all year. Like pipelines, board shorts, sunsets, board shorts, bells and mugs. You kind of know what you're getting into. Most guys would have gone there through their junior career, and but yeah, Portugal's crazy environment i reckon like not a lot of the times you'll see surfers being really uncomfortable like rio or even someone like ethan who would rarely surf in a 4-3 like it's it's very raw it's very raw over definitely there. oh this is a great point you make uh, the wetsuits for instance like rio you know probably one or two times a year he's got to put a 4-3 on and 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 the cold water you know the wax on your boards you know he's bringing all these boards from bali it's got to take all his wax off and start again it's it's just one of those things that just out of your comfort zone, but you know, sink or swim, I say. Like, you know, this is what you you train hard for and it's the world tour. You've got to be able to do it in every every conditions, in every kind of water, cold, slimy waters, you know. Just running down to bells, you know, for those guys that haven't surfed it before, you've got to remember to stand up on your ball before you take off on your first wave because all the slimy stuff that comes off the cliffs when you're running around, it's so slippery on your feet. It's like little things like that can make or break one heat. You get what I mean? If they're surfing up at the wedge, they've got to learn to be breathing in 21% oxygen and 79% <laughs> sardine oil and uh, still keep their focus. 
the sardine smells hideous. Ah, oh, it's just part of the it's part of the the culture of Portugal, though. It's it's I love it. Yeah, I rattled. I got handed a tin of sardines from the the old mayor there one time, and I wasn't. I was just an uncultured little idiot, and I threw it in the bin. And now I absolutely love sardines, and I've just ruined the day that I turned the mayor down for his fresh sardines. <laughs> he would have pulled that off the top shelf too. They would have been good. Yeah. Uh, yeah no but uh mate yeah like you said i'm fired up to watch this one it's a pretty decent time zone for me on the east coast even better for you in the west uh and you could yeah really tuck into a a big evening of surfing so mate i appreciate your time again lips i'm looking forward to seeing how uh, our calls go and you know you've actually made me readjust what it means to have an underdog pick you're right you're picking an underdog to win whereas when i say underdog i'm kind of thinking like if he does okay, it's still good. But no, you're right. You're going for the win, and and it's it's win only. So I, I you know, I appreciate that snake for calling me out there, but I'm still <laughs> going to back in Liam. <laughs> good luck, mate. I'd put some money on it if I were you because he'd be paying a lot. He would. He definitely would. He'd be very very long. So I'll have to uh, have a sus. But uh, mate, I'm going to get back to it here at Quick HQ. What do you got on today? You got an event on? Uh, it's a long weekend here in WA, so. Um, yeah, I got a golfing. I'm sponsoring actually the the local surf event. So it's actually Australia versus the rest of the world teams event today. So I'm frothing. Sick. I'm gonna go kick some pommies ass. I love it. <laughs> Dig in. <laughs> <laughs>